0: Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today we're going to be discussing Michael Lofton and the Talmud and his defense and obfuscation of the Talmud. We're going to be live watching his video on Jesus and the Talmud. And this is a pretty interesting topic because, first of all, evangelicals have an issue when it comes to having a healthy view of Judaism, modern-day Judaism. We have a problem with that institutionally and broadly speaking. And this is an opportunity to use a Catholic as a punching bag to kind of correct evangelicals on the subject. And it's also an instance where someone who's a you know a liberal Catholic, a Pope defender, is also defending the Talmud, which is interesting. We're just going to kind of highlight his own arguments. I was... Interested by this topic was uh, uh, Christian Mario, if you're familiar with who that is. Uh, he, he basically posted what this video was, and we're going to be live reacting to it, because I'm not entirely sure what to expect from Michael Lofton, other than a general idea of what he's going to argue in defense of the Talmud. And what he did was apparently unpopular with his own audience, because his video is ratioed. doesn't have that many views, though. Kind of surprised that a channel of his size has very few video watches on that video. But I digress. We're gonna get into this, but first I want to let you know Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's linked in the description. Uh, but the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast if you are new. So, Michael Lofton, just a quick background on who he is. He is a Catholic apologist. He runs a channel called Reason and Theology. And I'm not a huge fan of YouTube apologetics ministries. There's a lot of not good ones out there. So, I'm not a huge fan of it in general because of that. And... You know, Michael Lofton, probably another example of why. He got a free book that he's written about uh, defending the Pope. Defending Pope Francis from charges of heresy, which, yeah, just goes to show how uh, base this guy isn't. So that's just a little brief background on what he is and why he's sort of an internet punching bag. Uh, His channel has 75.8 thousand subs, which is a lot. A lot more than me, uh, so you definitely want to subscribe so we can catch up. But anyway, we're going to be doing his video at 1.5 speed because he's a bit of a slow talker.
1: I've, I've had a number of people <clears throat> ask me about this subject. And they've raised a number of concerns about the way Jesus is uh, seemingly depicted in the Talmud. And for- so my
0: guess is a couple of weeks ago he did a video about why Jews don't believe in Christ, which I think kind of beats around the surface if we're being clear. But maybe that'll come up more in this video. I just wanted to shine some light on what the possible context is and why people were directing him to look at the Talmud. And I think that's why, but we'll see.
1: For those who are not familiar with the Talmud, so this is... um part of the jewish religion and the talmud is a very very large series of books it's like a whole library um and it contains a lot of stuff in it what's considered to be oral tradition of the law of moses as well as commentary and um all sorts of things in it and so that's effectively what the talmud is and it's
0: including pedophilia
1: highly venerated especially by Orthodox Jews. And uh, there are different kinds. There's the Babylonian Talmud and the Palestinian uh, Talmud, but we are going to take a look specifically, or I should say Jerusalem Talmud, I I believe. Um, We're going to take a look at the um, Babylonian Talmud specifically, and we're going to see how Jesus is depicted there. Again, a lot of people have raised some concerns here, and have asked me to comment on it. I've uh, done my best to look into it, and um, I've seen some of the things that people are concerned about. But I, I want to try to help put some things in perspective here. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to share my screen and begin uh, with Gideon 57a in the Talmud, and you'll see what some people's concerns are. Uh, it speaks of Ankelos, on, uh, who was a Roman uh, official or Roman individual who converted to <clears throat> Judaism, but prior to his conversion, he um, uh, he consulted several people from the dead to see what the afterlife was like. And here it uh, notes something about Jesus the Nazarene. So this is Ankelos, uh, then went and raised Jesus the Nazarene from the grave through necromancy. Ankelos said to him, who is the most important in that world where you are now? Jesus said to him, the Jewish people. Ankelos uh, asked him, should I then attach myself to them in this world? Because he's considering, you know, converting. Jesus said to him, their welfare you shall seek, their misfortune you shall not seek. For anyone who touches them is regarded as if he were touching the apple of his eye. And then it continues, a little bit below here. Ankelos said to him, what is the punishment of that man? And this is noted as a euphemism for Jesus himself in the next world. Jesus said to him, he is punished with boiling excrement. So this is what gives rise to some people um, being concerned that the <clears throat> Talmud describes uh, Jesus as boiling an excrement in the afterlife. It continues, as the master said, anyone who mocks the words of the sages will be sentenced to boiling excrement. And this was his sin as he mocked the words of the sages. The Gemara comments, come and see the difference between the sinners of Israel and the prophets of the nations of the world. As Balaam, who was a prophet, wished Israel harm, <clears throat> whereas Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a Jewish sinner, sought their well-being. And you know, Previous to this, it discusses Balaam and describes him as boiling in semen. Well, okay, so you can see why some people would be concerned by the way this is described here. It speaks of a Jesus, the Nazarene, you know, boiling in excrement. That sounds like this is a reference to um, Jesus of Christianity. Right. And so uh, so you
0: don't say why. Why on earth would people see this as a problem? Like, is he really all that shocked? And how is he going to try and twist around this? Are you excited for this? Because I think I know what he's going to say. And get ready for cringe.
1: Here's your cringe warning. Some people have been very concerned about this. And you even find in church history instances where uh, Talmuds were burned in part because of these kinds of concerns. But we have to ask the question, is this actually the Jesus, Jesus the Nazarene that we um, hold to in Christianity? Or is this a different Jesus, the Nazarene? this may sound like at first, oh, well, you know, this is uh, absurd. Of course, this is referring to the Jesus of the Christians. But actually, if you look at the rest of the Talmud, it's not very clear that this is the Jesus that we Christians um, worship. And, and you know, it's possible it is, but the way this Jesus the Nazarene is described in many other parts of the Talmud, it does not appear to be Um, the Jesus that we as Christians hold to. It seems that it was a different person because again, he is described very differently in the Talmud.
0: All right. So quick little fact check about the Talmud is that it was written over the course of hundreds of years. And therefore there are several authors that have contributed to it. And unlike the Bible, which is wholly inspired scripture, the Talmud's authors have contradictions with each other because it is not a holy nor inspired scripture. So there's going to be contradictions. So he is setting up the argument that this isn't really how the Talmud views Jesus because it contradicts these other parts that were more than likely written by different people. This is such a bad argument for... What clearly is identifying information, or to use like the official term, PII, personally identifying information about Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene. Who else is that talking about? Uh, and then some of the descriptions of Jesus' life, him being you know, Jewish, uh, him having a punishment in the afterlife, because that would be how a lot of these people would view Christ, So much information that is definitely meant to blaspheme Christ. And he's trying to walk that back. Like, this isn't really Jesus. Well, what other Jesus the Nazarene are they going to refer to? And what he wants to pretend is that there are no contradictions in in this document. So this must be a different Jesus. Which is such a bad argument regarding something that's not holy and therefore not inerrant.
1: And also anachronistically, uh, he's described as living in a very different time period than the one uh, that we hold to as Christians. And so uh, this is why you can find Jews themselves, like Jews for Judaism, who say that this Jesus in the Talmud <clears throat> is not specifically the one uh, that is boiling in excrement, is not the Jesus of the New Testament. It says here, as we've explained elsewhere, Yeshu is not Jesus of the New Testament. He's most likely a prominent sectarian of the early first century who deviated from rabbinic tradition and created his own religion, combining Hellenistic paganism with Judaism. While Yeshu may be the proto-Jesus, some scholars point to as inspiring the early Christians, he is definitely not the man who was crucified in Jerusalem. And-
0: it's some other guy. Such a bad argument and he's using other people's bad arguments as well so he's going out of his way to hold water for you know bad people trying to cover up bad arguments because this is about PR
1: in the year 33 so that's according to this um Jewish website and we're going to see why Um, That seems to be the case, why it doesn't appear to be uh, the Jesus of the New Testament. If you go to Sanhedrin 43a, it says the Mishnah teaches that a crier goes out before the condemned man. This indicates that it is only before him while he is being led to his execution. That yes, the crier goes out, but from the outset, before the accused is convicted, he does not go out. The Gemara raises a difficulty, but isn't it taught in Baraita? On Passover Eve, they hung the corpse of Jesus the Nazarene. Now, hey, wasn't uh, Jesus, you know, hung around the time of Passover and, and he's a Nazarene, right? So doesn't that sound like the Jesus of the New Testament? Well, watch this. After they killed him by way of stoning... That's interesting. Jesus wasn't stoned. Uh, but okay, maybe there's just a, you know, slight disconnect here, but maybe it's still referring to the Jesus of the New Testament. Let's continue. And a crier went out before him for 40 days, publicly proclaiming Jesus the Nazarene is going out to be stoned because he practiced sorcery. Uh, Jesus practiced sorcery? Um, No, I'm not familiar with the Jesus of the New Testament practicing sorcery and being stoned, but okay. Incited people to idol worship. Um, I, This doesn't sound like the Jesus of the New Testament, y'all. Um, So because... They're slandering
0: and blaspheming Christ. They're not talking about Christ. That's basically his argument here. But it's worth noting that my guess is they, what it's describing here is that they killed Christ. He rose from the dead. They're attributing that to sorcery. And then they're going to stone him for it. Is the story that seems to be being described here. I don't know if Michael Lofton's picking that up.
1: Inside the people to idol worship, after his sorcery was stoned and led the Jewish people astray. Anyone who knows of a reason to acquit him should come forward and teach it on his behalf. And the court did not find a reason to acquit him, and so they stoned him and hung his corpse on Passover Eve. So we're starting to see some points of disconnect. We're starting to see some. Okay, this Jesus of Nazarene is described as an idolater, a sorcerer uh, who is also stoned. All right, well, let's continue. So what
0: I'm also confused about is how does that contradict the first passage that he read, in which they're talking about Jesus being punished in the afterlife by boiling an excrement? How does that contradict that other passage? If anything, it kind of adds more to it, even though it's not well written. And you'd think, if you understand the, the narrative flow of the Bible, it's oftentimes very repetitive. So that doesn't follow a narrative flow similar to any sort of Bible story.
1: Uh, Here is from Sanhedrin 43a as well. Apropos the trial of Jesus, the Gemara cites another. A where the sages taught Jesus the Nazarene had five disciples. Well, last I checked, Jesus had way more than five disciples. I mean, he had 12 of them. So therefore, it's not the real Jesus. apostles and way more disciples than that. So five disciples? Where's this coming from? Matai? Nakai? netzer Buni, and torah i don't know it just doesn't sound like the jesus of the new testament that i'm familiar with um they brought Mattai in to stand trial matai said to the judges shall matai be executed but it, it isn't it written when Mattai shall i come and appear before god and so on it, it describes um this in a little bit more detail but just so again notice the point that it references this jesus of Na- the nazarene having five disciples and the names don't really Connect. I know some people try to read into the names, and they don't see these as actual names. They see uh, Mattai could be Matthias
0: or Matthew. I, it doesn't really, you know. There's there's a loose connection there. I don't think there's a connection with any of the other names.
1: Don't miss meaning. I, I get it. I understand that. Also, five disciples though. That's the there's a the point of disconnect. Okay, let, let's continue. Um, now, <clears throat> this is coming from Sota forty seven A. One day, Rabbi uh, Yehoshua ben Pariah was reciting Shema when Jesus came before him. He intended to accept him on this occasion, so he, he singled or signaled to him with his hand to wait. Uh, Jesus thought he was rejecting him entirely. He therefore went and stood up a brick and worshipped it as an idol. Jesus worshipped a brick as an idol. I've never heard of any stories of uh, the Jesus of the New Testament worshipping a brick as an idol. Uh, Rabbi said to him, return from your sins. Jesus said to him, this is the tradition that I received from you. Anyone who sins and causes the masses to sin is not given the opportunity to repent. The Gemara explains how he caused the masses to sin. For the master said, Jesus the Nazarene performed sorcery, and he incited the masses and subverted the masses and caused the Jewish people to sin. So we're seeing a theme here, right? We're seeing this Jesus the Nazarene is often described as a sorcerer and an idolater with five disciples. All right, well, let's continue. Let's now look at Sanhedrin 16. Again, this is the bad
0: guys writing their version of history. That's what this is. They're not going to be honest. They're not going to tell the truth. They're going to retcon what actually happened because they're the baddies. How does he not see this? Or really, he's just lying to you.
1: 67A. How does the court do this to him? The agents of the court light a candle for him in an inner room, and they place witnesses for him in an outer room in the dark so that they can see him and hear his voice, but he cannot see them. And the other person, whom the insider had previously tried to incite, says to him, Say what you said to me when we were in seclusion. And he said to him again that he should worship the idol. The other person says to him, how can we forsake our god in heaven and worship idols if the insider retracts his suggestion that is good but if he says this idol worship is our duty and this is what suits us the witnesses who are listening from outside bring him to court and they have and they have him stoned this is talking about stoning uh those who are trying to get um israel to worship idols now watch what happens next and the court did the same to an insider named ben Setada from the city of lod and they hanged him on passover eve now th- this is important you'll see why here in a moment but again this person is named Ben Setara so son of Sethada, from the city of Lod, and they hanged him on Passover Eve. It continues, the Gemara asks, why did they call him Ben Setada? This is one passage that a lot of people think is in reference to um, Jesus. And um, this is kind of where you hear people say, well, the Talmud describes Jesus as the product of um, a um, uh, an act of fornication, or I should say an act of adultery. Um, you've probably heard this before with a Roman soldier. Well, this is where it comes from. You know that 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 claim that some people make. Why did they call him Ben Sitada when he was the son of Pandera? That, that's interesting, son of Pandera. Now there, again, there are people who try to say, well, these aren't real names. These refer to meanings. You know, so these are kind of euphemisms. But watch what happens. Rav His Hisda says perhaps his mother's husband, who acted as his father, was named Sitada, But his mother's uh, paramour, or you know, the the illicit lover, who fathered Paramore. this Namzer was named Pandera. The Gemara challenges, but his mother's husband was Papus ben Yehuda. Listen to this. His mother's husband, so if this is in reference to Jesus um, and his mother, the Virgin Mary, her husband was Papus ben Yehuda. Keep this name in mind, not Satata. Rather, perhaps his mother was named Satata and he was named ben Satada after her. The Gemara challenges, but his mother was Miriam. Okay, now Miriam is the name of uh, Mary in Hebrew. So some people think, oh, this is referring to Jesus and Mary but his mother was Miriam who braided women's hair. The Gemara explains, this is not a contradiction. It's was merely a nickname, as they say. Uh, this one strayed from her husband. Like, so again, some people are going to try to say, "Ah, oh, well, this isn't a real uh, name. It's a nickname. It refers to uh, various meanings. It's a euphemism. Uh, but again, one of the concerns here is that this is describing Jesus the Nazarene and his mother is Miriam. And he is really the product of um, adultery. Now, again, note, Mother's husband was Papas ben Yehuda. This is important because when we see the Talmud elsewhere, it tells us the time period of Pappus ben Yehuda. It says here in uh, Baruchot uh, 61b, the Gemara relates at length how Rabbi Akiva fulfilled these directives. The sages taught one time after the Bar Kochba or uh, Kocheva uh, rebellion, the evil empire of Rome decreed that Israel may not engage in the study and practice of Torah. Papas ben Yehuda, there's that name, came and found Rabbi Akiva who is convening assemblies in public and engaging in Torah study, Papa said, Omikiva, like, are you not afraid of the Empire? And so on. And so this is after the Bar Kochiva Rebellion. Now, if you just kind of look the time period up for this, pull it up for you. Um, again, it's also called the Bar Kochba uh, Revolt. Um, you can see here, roughly, we're talking about 132 AD. Right? So we're talking about after that time period, this person, Papos Ben Yehuda, is alive asking a question. But this person, Papos Ben Yehuda, is supposed to be the husband of Miriam. And if this is in reference to Mary, this is outrageously anachronistic. If this is the Mary of the New Testament, clearly it's not. Clearly, we are talking about someone from a very different time period. So, I... So, how does that connect to the Jesus of Naz... Jesus the
0: Nazarene that was in the other portions? So... That would be the first question. Is like, isn't this the outlier? Because first of all, you know, his assumption is that this is inerrant, non-script. Like, I don't think he, Michael often thinks that the Talmud is scripture. But he does seem to think that it's internally inerrant. Like, it's not inconsistent. This is completely inconsistent. These are just ramblings. This is not good prose. If we're judging it on artistic merit, it sucks. So there, there's obviously another agenda here. So we're not... This has the least amount of connection to Christ out of all the passages that he's read because it doesn't say Jesus of the Nazarene like it does in the other passages. So for him to try to say that This is clearly what they think, you know, this is clearly the Jesus, the Nazarene that they're talking about. Uh, Even though, different name. You know, a lot of different details. And a different time period. It's not a good argument. And of course, again, I think the Talmud would be perfectly fine contradicting itself.
1: They show all of this to say... When you look at the Talmud, it does describe Jesus the Nazarene in some very troubling um, ways, as we saw, uh, boiling in excrement and the product of sin. Um, But when we dig a little bit deeper, it seems that this is a Jesus the Nazarene. and Jesus was a pretty common name back then. It seems this was a very different Jesus the Nazarene, one who was an idolater, um, one who was a sorcerer, who had five disciples, um, and who lived in a very different time period um so that being said some have argued well maybe it's just off in some of these details but it's still describing the jesus of the new testament that's possible but if you just look at all of these points of disconnect i think we could at the very least see that well it's also very possible it's not referring to the jesus of the new testament that's also very very possible um so it's just not clear cut um so i would caution Um. Would he say this about any Islamic writing that references Jesus of Nazareth?
0: I don't believe he would. Now, I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong about Michael Lofton's willingness to oppose Islam in comparison to his willingness to coddle Judaism, like modern Talmudic Judaism. I could be wrong about that. I don't really think I am. This is... Such a bad faith argument that he's employing
1: here. Fellow Christians, to not just throw out the claim that this absolutely, definitively speaking, you know, speaks of Jesus in these horrible ways. Maybe it does, but there's a lot of evidence to indicate that, no, it's probably referring to someone else. Um, And again, there is definitely no unanimity uh, even among Jews. Many Jews will point out, yeah, this is not the same uh, Jesus of the New Testament. Um, so keep that in mind. Don't throw it out as if it is fact whenever you speak about the Talmud. Um, now, let me grab the super chat. Thank you, Mahoval. He says, unfortunately, this is often used by many people with anti-Jewish sentiment, but also by bad faith Jewish anti-Christians also when was this written, right? Yeah, and of, of course, the compilation of the Talmud is, is going to be a lot later than the time of the New Testament. So
0: what you're basically admitting is that the Talmud is not a reliable document, and we're supposed to somehow think that because the time period in which it pegs this it pegs Jesus is not accurate to what the New Testament says and the details don't line up, that all of a sudden that means it must be talking about a different person. Not a good argument at all. So I'm going to end on a quick little anecdote, right? With a movie reference maybe you've all seen. Uh, My Cousin Vinny, have you ever seen that movie where the beginning of the movie they're trying to argue that it was two different, it's a murder case, and they're trying to argue that it was too... Different people in an identical car that pulled up to a, a sack of suds and shot the clerk. That was their defense at the beginning of the thing. That it was you know two other young males drove up in the exact same car after they pulled up and leave left and then shot the clerk and there the, and therefore my clients are innocent of murder, like that's not a good case. And that's, if you watch the movie, that's not how they won the case. They showed that it was not an identical car that, you know, the evidence showed it was an identical car and that they were able to point to who did do it in a similar fashion. Michael Lofton is not able to show that this isn't attempting to retcon the history of Christ and that it isn't and that there's some other figure that this could be talking about. He's not able to demonstrate a, a real case here, and that must be why the most popular YouTube comments in in his, on his channel for this video are rather are rather critical of his depiction. Uh, from here, let me pull it back up. Uh, we got couple comments like well well I actually heard from Jews that the worship of Jesus is considered idolatry so yes in their view Jesus may have very very well been an idolater it wouldn't surprise me if some details were smudged on purpose to conceal what they really mean I would prefer to trust Pope Gregory uh, IX on the subjects so Gregory 9 dude got his 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Any other comments? This whole video is Cope, and I would expect this from Tovia Singer. I don't know who that is. Not you, nor a Christian for that matter. Well, when you put it like that. Uh, Another person points out, Jesus' miracles were often discredited by those who claim he was using sorcery. Jesus' claim, incorrect punctuation on that, by the way. Uh, that he was God was used by the Jews to claim that he was an idolater. This video just seems like a willful ignorance. So he's getting roast in his own comment section by the comments that have the highest like count. So obviously, these arguments aren't making it doing well on the uh, open square, public square of ideas, nor should they. So that's where I'm going to close off. Uh, my name's raised, the evangelical dark web. Like and subscribe for more based content, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.